O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. To you, O Lord, have I cried, O my God. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, the saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the foremost of sinners. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory to the ages of ages. Amen. Peace be with you, the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. And with your spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. At that time, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a multitude going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front of him rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, gave praise to God. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Good morning. 
Many of us, I, I think, have had the privilege to travel overseas on a vacation and we're able to see a different country. Remember how exciting it was to go to a different country for the first time? Many of us have been to Europe or maybe the Holy Land or perhaps uh, uh, maybe Northern Africa or Eastern Africa and have perhaps visited many churches there. And for those of us who haven't had that privilege, we surely have at some time or another looked at books or internet sites or watched a travel show on TV looking at historic churches, enthralled by their beauty, grandeur, and historical significance. For example, if one travels to Rome, one could see amazing ancient churches where saints walked, preached, liturgized, and are buried. I want to give a little sampling of what one can see in Rome. For example, the Basilica of Santa Maria Travester, I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, dating back to the fourth century, has glimmering Byzantine mosaics from the 12th and 13th centuries, and pictures of which often adorn the covers of books and featured in books about icons. Then there's the 4th century church of St. Anastasia, where it is believed that the famous St. Jerome celebrated liturgy. That church has breathtaking stonework, columns and famous statues, and decorative inlaid stone in the ceiling. It takes one's breath away. And then there's the church of St. Lawrence and its grandiose black marble Corinthian columns and chapel marking the very spot where St. Lawrence himself was martyred in the third century. Then there's the Lantern Basilica. It is the cathedral church of the Diocese of Rome in the city of Rome. It is the oldest and highest ranking of the four papal major basilicas in Rome, not Vatican City, but Rome, holding the unique title of Arch Basilica. It is the oldest public church in the city of Rome, the oldest basilica of the Western world. It used to be a, a palace until St. Constantine the Emperor gave it to the church. Scores of saints have worshiped there. The relics of the chiefs of the apostles, Peter and Paul are there in the altar canopy. The historical significance of the church cannot be understated. Then there is the Church of St. Agnes and the adjoining mausoleum with glittering mosaics built by the Emperor Constantine for his daughter, the famous Santa Costanza. Beneath it are ancient catacombs where even more saints surely walked. And let's not forget about the Church of St. Clement. I'm sure you've heard of this one at least, with the, or seen the pictures of it, with amazing mosaics in the, ap, in the apse. And in the side chapel, the famous Saints Constantine, or sorry, St. Cyril and Methodius, equals to the apostles, are act, the missionaries to the Slavs, are buried there. Now this is just a small sampling of the 34 surviving 4th century churches found in Rome and a fraction of the 900 churches found in Rome. You might be thinking at this point, 
what is Father Jason saying? I can't follow what he's saying. I can't remember all this, all these details about churches. Why is he giving us all these descriptions of these churches? What's the point? Now follow me here, okay? When we travel to amazing places like Rome or Greece or the Holy Land, sometimes we are overwhelmed by the beauty, the details, the importance of the places we visit. Sometimes we go on trips like to Europe or the Holy Land or the Middle East, we see the first old cathedral and we're amazed by it. But, and I know this is true for me, we see another and another and another. And after a while, we just can't appreciate it like we did. The beauty and significance becomes less and less appreciated. We just can't process it all. Our appreciation wanes. We might think, oh, another church, another thing to check off on our travel list. Let's move on to something different in our travel guide book. But let's forget about travels and pilgrimages. What about our daily lives here and now? Are we appreciative of the many wonders and blessings in our daily lives? Have we, like the typical traveler to Rome, become oblivious and insensitive to all the beauty around us? Have we become unappreciative to all the blessings with which God has surrounded us here and now? Perhaps we are unappreciative to the blessings around us because there are so many of them and they are all so magnificent. Maybe we have just stopped processing how many blessings are around us. Maybe we are even oblivious to their significance. But what is, what is the right response? In today's gospel reading, the blind man who was cured of his blindness had the right response. The gospel tells us, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. A response filled with thankfulness and glorifying God was the formerly blind man's response. And what about the others who witnessed the miracle? The gospel says, and all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. What we need to do, all of us, is to open our eyes. We need to open all, we all need to open our spiritual eyes to the great blessings that surround us every day. We need to open our spiritual eyes to, to the amazing work and gifts of God in our lives. When we travel, we may be amazed at the wonderful places we visit, but our appreciation sometimes wanes. Sometimes things of amazing importance and beauty become, simply, things to check off on our travel list. Likewise, when we travel through life, 
we are surrounded by many amazing, beautiful blessings. Sometimes, however, these amazing blessings in our lives become simply things to check off on our list of things to do. Call a relative, check. Play with the, play the kids, check. Go to church, check. Eat dinner, check. Go to the doctor, check. Even receiving Holy Communion, check. If only we stop to see each thing like something on a travel book checklist and instead start seeing with spiritual eyes each blessing as a miracle in itself or at least something to be very thankful for, we would be different. Our lives would be filled with amazement, thanksgiving, and joy far greater than during some trip abroad. The blind man's response to God's blessings was filled with thankfulness and glorifying God. Let that be our response. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let us all open our spiritual eyes to the many blessings that God has bestowed on us, thanking God for all the beautiful gifts surrounding us as we travel through life. Amen. Amen.